Hello and welcome to America Can We Talk, one of our very, very special Thursday shows. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Thursday shows are special for a variety of reasons. One is that we have an in-studio audience, always makes the show more fun. Great to have them here. We're also in these brand new studios. This is my second week in the new studio here at Real News PR. I'm so grateful. And Real News Communication Networks, they built up these gorgeous new studios. So grateful to be able to do the show here every Thursday at 3 p.m. Very grateful for you listening. I also want to remember fairly often to thank Krista Branch, that fabulous music that everyone identifies with my show now, the music you just heard, I'm America. That's Krista Branch. It's her singing. Her husband wrote the lyrics and the music, and she was actually the warm-up act for the Herman Cain presidential campaign. She loved him. She loves that song, and I'm very, I'm very blessed and grateful that she authorized us to use that song on this show because it epitomizes the message of the show, which is exactly, you are America. You, the citizens who decide to stand up and speak up for America, you're the ones who decide America's future. And that's where we are, and I'm so grateful we can use that music. It makes me smile to hear it. So today on our Thursday show, we have a very special guest joining us in studio, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. He has joined us numerous other times. If you're a longtime listener, you may remember he joined us back at the Salem Studios years ago and over the years has joined me on this show. And I'm grateful for him for a variety of reasons. Um, I want to, before I actually bring him on camera, give you a little bit of his background. I know most people might be thinking, I know Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Everybody knows him. And it's true. Every conservative knows who this is. But one reason I want to give a more detailed background is because I want to have, you know, I don't give a title to every show. I just kind of say the show's name and who the guest is. But if I had to title this show, it's something like, you know, what time is it in America? What is happening to our country? And that's really what I want to talk about on a variety of issues. But the overarching thing is what's happening to our country and what do we, the patriots who love America, do about it? So quickly by way of background. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West was a, uh, is a military, he is a military veteran. Um, he is a, a third, and I think this is a cool thought, a third of four generations of military servicemen in his family. You know, all of us say we're grateful for the military. It's a tiny segment of America that serves in the military. He actually did serve in the military with distinction and honor. Um, he's received many honors, Bronze Star, three Meritorious Service Medals, three Army Commendation Medals, um, and a Valorous Unit Award in 1993. He was a U.S. Army ROTC Instructor of the Year, uh, a former commissioned officer, also in the Texas State Guard. One thing I love about him is that he is very dedicated to thinking strategically about America, what the idea of America is, and about how we defend America. He's the author of three books, uh, Guardian of the Republic, An American Ronin's Journey to Faith, Family, Faith, and Freedom, Hold Texas, hold the nation, victory or death, and we can overcome an American black conservative manifesto. So please help me welcome to the show, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Thank you. Thanks. Pleasure. Great to see you. It's good to be here in this new studio. And like I say, I remember back when we were over in Irving, the little teeny tiny studio. We used to stack boxes up to get the little camera right and everything. This is, okay, he's like telling on me. <laughs> this is growth, man. This is what conservatism is all about. It is. That's a great point. It is growth. And actually, it's very true. Back in Salem, it was just a radio station. Mm -hmm. We wanted to put it out on the internet. So I stacked up boxes really on the studio counter, put my laptop on top. And one time they all tumbled over. That, that did happen. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, so yeah. welcome to the show. Yeah. You know, um, I love your military background because I think it, it says a lot about someone who mm -hmm. would decide 
to serve America, not just say it's a great country, but to mm -hmm. serve America. So I do thank you for your service. My pleasure. And I really mean this theme about what time it is in America, but I want to turn to military first. You're aware of, uh, for as one example, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Matthew Lohmeyer was removed mm -hmm. from the military for his uh, writing a book in which he essentially argued that Marxism has invaded America's mm -hmm. military. Mm -hmm. And then he said it on a talk show. So the answer to the military was to remove him. He was a commander in the U.S. Space Force. I think this was May of last year. Mm -hmm. So... Is it a fair point to make that there's Marxism or Marxist ideology invading America's military? Without a doubt, there is. And I really want to back it up from a strategic perspective. You know, this week, two days ago, was Flag Day, uh, June the 14th, 1777 was the commemoration of Flag Day. But two years before that, uh, that was the birthday of the United States Army, uh, June the 14th of 1775. So the thing that you have to come to understand is that before there was a nation, there was an army before the Navy, Marine Corps. And the motto of the United States Army is this will defend. That's very personal for me because my dad was a soldier in World War II. I did 22 years. My nephew right now is serving. As a matter of fact, my youngest daughter's husband, my son-in-law, he's at Fort Jackson, South Carolina right now going through basic wow, training. Wow, I didn't so, know that. Absolutely. But what I want you to understand is how could you say that the motto of an army was this will defend before there was a nation? Because America is not so much about boundaries and borders. America is about an ideal. It's about a principle. It's about a value system that says that the individual is sovereign over the institution of government. And that is unlike any other nation. And when you think about the members of the United States military, soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, Coast Guardsmen, we don't take a note to a political party. We don't take a note to an individual. We take a note to the Constitution of the United States of America. And what I see happening in the military right now is that there are senior leaders that have completely forgotten the oath that they took. And they are now, you know, openly taking an oath to an ideology. And cultural Marxism, to me, has no place in the United States military. How can you say in the United States military that because of one person's skin color, they're an oppressor, and the other person's skin color, they're oppressed, but yet you want them to be a cohesive fighting force to go out there and honor the motto of the army, this will defend. If they don't believe and they're not being told that what they're supposed to be defend to defend is worth defending. And so this is a very interesting place that we find ourselves in the military, but it all got started with Barack Obama. Barack Obama did an incredible job of purging the senior military leadership of our country and therefore putting in ideological generals and people that would kowtow to his vision. And sadly, President Trump did not see that and make sure that some of those senior leaders were removed. Uh, the Secretary of Defense right now, Lloyd Austin, I served at Fort Bragg with him. When he was a brigade commander in the 82nd Airborne Division, I was a, a major, he was a full colonel. Looked up to the guy. I mean, you know, everyone wanted to emulate Panther Six. That was his call sign. Mm -hmm. But today I look at him and I'm just saying, what happened to you? And I know what happened to him. There's a path that you have the opportunity to take in the senior leadership of the military. After you make the one star level, the brigadier general, rear admiral level, all of the other promotions, two star, three star, four star, are political appointments. Political appointments made by? By whoever's in, in, in control at that time. The presidency? Is Absolutely. It not? Okay. And that's why generals have to go before the Senate Armed Services Committee for that confirmation to get promoted to that two-star, three-star, four-star level. You're not going in front of a board of your peers anymore. So that's one of the problems that I see right now is that we're raising up a politicized military leadership.
Uh, could not agree more on all points. On the subject of critical race theory, that was a mm -hmm. particular cons uh, discussion in Congress. I think it was Representative Matt Gates going mm -hmm. back and forth. And I can't remember who the military person was. Is Millie maybe? Or I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, it was Millie. Yeah, um, in which first Millie said, well, there's no, that doesn't go on here. At which Gates said, well, isn't that exactly why Lieutenant uh, Colonel Lohmeyer lost his, his commission, lost his place in the military? So I, I, I'm glad I was going to, my next question was, so how do we get here? And you're starting with President Obama, but there was a purging, not openly saying, I want strong patriots out. It was a subtle, sinister yes. replacement yeah. of people who are patriots and understood the Constitution to people ideologically leftist. And they, under, and they understood that their oath was to the Constitution and not to any individuals. Uh, and, and what we see is that those individuals were placed, replaced by people that were more so kowtowing to a political ideology, and that's where we find ourselves today. Doesn't also, I, I'm glad you made the point about if you're spending time convincing people to label others as either oppressors or victims, and so you're, you're just, you're teaching them to butt heads against each other. But the entire, doesn't that just take away from the, the, the fighting force training yeah. that what you should be doing instead? And, and we had a national, I think it was National Guard or Texas State Guard mm -hmm. guy on the show once who was saying they went for training weekend, and the point usually was, they worked on marksmanship or strategy mm -hmm. or athleticism, and now what they work on is, you know, encouraging each other to use proper pronouns. Absolutely. I, I mean, how can that, doesn't that inevitably weaken the military? Well, it does. And I remember when, uh, again, when I was there at Fort Bragg and, and the eight years of the Clinton administration, when we all of a sudden had this thing called consideration of others training. It had to be done every week. And so down at the platoon level, you had to come together and they had these little vignettes and you were supposed to sit around and talk about your feelings and how you would relate to others. But yet, guess what was happening? Uh, we had to go out and use personal funds to buy toilet paper for the barracks. We had to use personal funds to buy tools to, to repair our equipment. I remember friends of mine that were in armored units, tank units. They were having to use golf carts to go out on you know golf courses and whatever to do tank tactics because we did not have enough spare parts we did not have enough fuel and what have you but all the money that we took out of the military for our training and for our readiness where did it end up going it went to midnight basketball and all these other very silly social programs that they felt were more important and i see the exact same thing happening right now if you look at the comparison and contrast of what has happened and i'll just say from the obama years to now our United States Navy has gone in the wrong direction. We have the smallest naval, naval fleet that we have ever had in the history of the United States of America. Compare that to China. China now is working on its second and, and also its third aircraft carrier. Now, being a soldier for 22 years is going to hurt me saying this, and don't hold it against me, all my brother soldiers. But the means by which you project a nation's power is not through an army. It's through a navy. And that's one of the lessons that you learn when you go back and look at the Athenians and the Spartans. The Athenians had a powerful navy. The Spartans had a powerful army. The Spartans could not go out and do uh, what the Athenians were able to do. And so when I see the, the one belt, one road strategy of China and what they're doing with their navy and how we're not doing the same thing with our military force, we're more so worried about, uh, you know, being kind to each other and, and uh, the other pronouns. Thing, trans, pronouns, transgender dysphoria and, you know, making sure that people, you know, feel good and, you know, gay pride, you know, month. I, I think a lot of people in Marines are upset because they had this uh, this tweet that went out with rainbow colored bullets. I, I mean, 
This yeah. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is absolutely insane what we see happening. And our enemies see this and our enemies understand that this is their window of opportunity. That you're, you're reading my mind because that's exactly what it is. It caused you to become concerned. Mm -hmm. The world is full of countries who actually are our enemies. I mean, yes. you mentioned one, China, huge enemy, very, very determined ultimately to be the one world superpower. Yes. And they see America looking like children in a sandbox, mm -hmm. our military looking that way. So China is emboldened, North Korea, I assume somewhat emboldened. Russia, Iran. Russia. And Islamic jihadism, if you have been reading reports, we now see a resurgence of Al-Qaeda. Yep. Uh, the, the foolishness and the absolute debacle of Afghanistan, the greatest strategic, operational, tactical uh, debacle that this country will ever know was that we're drawn from Afghanistan. You put back in power the people that we had taken off of the battlefield. Right. And so it is a terror sanctuary. So if I could make a comparative analysis, we're living in mid-1930s, late-1930s, uh, world. Uh, there's a new axis that is growing, an evil axis. Back then it was Germany, Italy, Japan. Now it is China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, and Islamic Jihadism. Those are five very, very powerful foes. And us sitting here in Texas needs to understand something that we have a, an insurgency going on on our border right now with transnational narco-criminal terrorist organizations who are working with China, bringing fentanyl into our country. And that's the number one killer of Americans right now, 18 to 45. So the war is right here on our streets, here in Texas and across the United States of America. And we're not doing anything to protect ourselves, but we know about pronouns very well. It's astonishing. And I have to tell you that that was wonderful analysis. When you watch what this administration is doing mm -hmm. to our country, I mean, the examples you just gave, the weakening of the military, the, I use the expression, the abandonment of the border, is pretty much abandoned is. as a border. Isn't our government essentially already surrendering America to whatever array of enemies are against us? Our government is creating treason. And, and I say that definitively. Our government is? Uh, they're, they're creating treason. They are enacting yes. treason. And I don't know why people are scared to say that. Obviously, folks aren't reading the Constitution because Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution is the guarantee clause. Two things that the federal government is supposed to guarantee to every state in the union. Number one, a Republican form of government, not a Republican Party, but America is a constitutional republic. They're right. violating that. They're violating individual rights, freedoms and liberties. And I'm sure we'll talk about this red flag law stuff. And then the other thing is you're supposed to protect every state in the union from invasion. When you have millions of people coming across your border. That's an invasion. That's not an immigration issue. When you have hundreds of thousands of people that you don't even know where they are, that's an invasion. When you have 42 terrorists that are on the terrorist watch list and the Secretary of Homeland Security says, I don't know where they are. This is treason that is being enacted. You know, you impeach Donald Trump over a telephone call. Right. And yet we see what is happening right now, the complete abdication of the sovereignty of the United States of America. No one wants to call it for what it is. We got some issues. We, we, we got a courage issue in the United States of America right now. We have a huge courage issue. And since you use those expressions, I completely agree. I think the capitulation or the it's more than capitulation is intentional actions on the part of this it administration totally, totally. to surrender our country. It is treasonous. So where are the leaders? We have elected people that are by their name in the House, in the Senate, as well as very nationally known, prominent conservatives. Mm -hmm. No one's talking this way. Why? That's the courage issue. 
Uh, America needs statesmen. America needs leaders. America needs people that will say what needs to be said, not what they think people want to hear. You know, be damned, the New York Times, the Washington Post, or whatever. Uh, when, when you look at the fact that, what, 18 months ago, America was energy independent, and now we're going to beg enemies, Venezuela, a socialist nation. We're going to beg Saudi Arabia, not exactly a friend of ours, or any of the OPEC nations. We were taking, you know, all and, and resources from even from Russia. So why would we completely undermine our own energy security, which is an incredible part of our national security and also our economic security? So what we see happening is this is no longer about Republican and Democrat. And I want everyone to understand this. This is about two very different philosophies of governance. You know, constitutional conservatism, which is really the classical liberalism of John Locke, life, right. liberty, property, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, that's on one side. Believes that the individual, their rights, freedoms, and liberties, they're sovereign. But then you have progressive socialism and Marxism. That's what we're up against. And when you look at these two very diverging uh, philosophies of governance, that's why we have these problems. And so I would wish that we would have individuals that would stand up on principle and say these things with courage, because if we don't, then we keep operating in a dark vacuum uh, because we're afraid to call the enemy what, what they are, our political opposition, what they are. And, you know, people got upset back uh, 12 years ago when I was in Congress. And a woman asked me at a town hall meeting, she said, you know, Carla, I'm concerned that there are socialists, you know, that are up there in Washington, D.C. I said, not only socialists, you have communists out there. Look at the Congressional Progressive Caucus, what they right. stand for. And where did the term progressive come from? It came from European communists. They wanted to come to the United States of America, but they couldn't say they were communists, so they said they were progressives. And right. it started with Woodrow Wilson. And everyone went apoplectic. You know, you're the new McCarthy. Ah, you're doing but now we have people that are saying, I'm a socialist, I'm a Marxist. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, on that subject, when Bernie Sanders ran for president uh, and was very willing to say he's been, a, he calls himself a Democrat socialist, I believe by his conduct and actions mm -hmm. in life, he's a communist, but he calls himself a Democrat socialist. I thought this was a great opportunity for the Democrat party to say, if they really were somewhere in the American play, uh, playing field to say, we're not part of that. This is un-American. But they didn't. And yeah. I'm, I'm agreeing with you wholeheartedly. The Congress, uh, House, Senate, and the leadership of the left are filled with people who know better than to say out loud, I love socialism, I'm for that, or I'm a communist. But all the ideas they push are. And so the yeah. ideological battle is right in front of our eyes. Absolutely. And I... And I I thought really about America my whole life. I thought, well, if this really ever came to the surface, you know, you would have people of, of, of a wide range of backgrounds yeah. on the conservative side standing up and saying, you can't do that in America. It was one, actually, was one of the best moments of the Trump presidency when he was giving his State of the Union and he looked right at Bernie mm -hmm. Sanders and said, this nation will never be a socialist nation. Yeah. And, you know, Sanders is fuming, but it really already is. It, in, it, in many that ways. Has crept in. And I will give you another example of that. I remember when Mitt Romney, 2012, was running for president. He was on the O'Reilly Factor with Bill O'Reilly. And Bill O'Reilly asked him, do you think Barack Obama is a socialist? And Mitt Romney had the opportunity to school the American people on yes. this economic philosophy of socialism, wealth redistribution, nationalizing economic production, creating and expanding the welfare nanny state, social egalitarianism, secular humanism. He could have gone through all of that and looked at Obama's policies and say, absolutely, this is classical socialist economic policy. And you know what he said? 
He said, I really don't want to get into labels and, and things of this nature. Okay. And, so, and so I, mean, I was like, man, you're done. <laughs> well, yeah. Do you think, though, that he understands what's true about Obama? Romney, I'm speaking of. I mean, mm -hmm. there, there are people, I think, in politics who just got excited because someone encouraged them to run for Congress, and they have a lot of friends in the community, and they got popular, and it was easy to win, and they are no more politically astute you know, than a stranger in the street. And yeah. so I do wonder, even with the Romney, did he actually recognize who Obama was and not want to say it, or is he that clueless? I, I mean, think I it's the former, and maybe a little bit of the latter, but if you are a businessman, and you understand the free market economic system that has made America the envy of the world, then you see these policies that are emanating from this Congress, I mean, and from not the Congress, but from this president, and you gotta call it out. But again, I think there's a courage deficit with a lot of our elected officials out there we gotta rectify. Absolutely true. So back to the military, because I wanna hit a bunch of other points, but on the military, so we sit here in 2022 with uh, the enemies of America emboldened, mm -hmm. America looking silly, with our military policies and our obsession over, I always go to pronouns because it captures so much, but the transgender agenda. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what those people on the left think is the path forward. Are they just thinking that all these enemies see us as weak, but somehow we'll just trust them not to invade us? Or are they almost welcoming that over that overtaking of America by, I mean, what are they thinking will happen if they don't make America strong? I mean, these are crystal ball questions, I know. But. No, they, they, they don't care about American strength. What they care about is the elevation of their ideology. And what they really care about is that there was once this venerable institution called the United States military that was separate from society. Now they want to bring society into the military. They don't care about what the mission and the intent of the military is to go out to train and be prepared to fight and win the conflagrations and the wars of the United States of America and to do, as Ronald Reagan said, peace through strength. You only do that by being a credible deterrent. You know, back in the old days, if the, the Roman legion showed up at your doorstep, it's because Rome was pretty mad at you and they were going to make sure that you didn't do something that you had done. But now there is no concern about that right now. And so Russia, once again, goes back into Ukraine. When was the last time they did it? The Obama administration. Didn't do it in the Trump administration. Now China's decided they're going to bump their gums and, you know, threaten uh, 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 Taiwan. Uh, you look at Iran. Iran now is once again becoming a regional hegemonic uh, dominant power. We're talking about this Iranian nuclear agreement all over again. The number one state sponsor of Islamic terrorism. Why would you want to go into any agreement with them? And of yep. course, the Islamic jihadists are tied with Iran. So if Iran gets money, they get money. And they see this once again as an opportunity, especially when you have a wide open border. Yeah, I think you're on the show several times during the time when Obama was negotiating with the Iranians mm. and working on the nuclear deal. And you and other military leaders, just political thinkers, were saying, what in the world are they doing? Because they were carving out the areas in Iran where they mm -hmm. would be using, where they'd be developing nuclear weapons. It was a farce from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And that would be another example where you would think more military leaders, more conservatives, I mean, some spoke up, would say, you are selling out America. Yeah. You're selling out really the world to Iran, number one, as you just said, you know, sponsor of terrorism, yeah. funder of terrorism. You're giving them nuclear weapons under the guise of protecting against developing nuclear weapons. And it was like some people were saying it. I was many of my show and a lot of folks are just kind of, you know, nodding along. Well, they probably have reasons we don't understand. I, I'm so I'm so troubled by that one yeah. alone. I want to hit Afghanistan. Well, let, me, let me just yeah. give you a couple examples of that for the audience to remember. 
if you think about when they took over those riverine assault boats, the Iranians did, and they had our sailors on their knees at gunpoint. Yep, yep. That didn't upset the left. As a matter of fact, if you recall, John Kerry came out and thanked the Iranians for taking care. I know. Of, I mean, this is the mentality that you're dealing with. Or when you had the terrorist attack in Paris, and what was our response? We sent John Kerry and uh, James Taylor, and they went over and saying, you got a friend. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this, That'll solve it. these are the people that are in charge now, and this is a very trying time for this country because when Donald Trump was there, he smoked people. He smoked Soleimani. He smoked the, the head of ISIS. And to think that in the Washington Post and other leftist outlets, they were trying to praise a person like Soleimani. Right. Who was responsible for the deaths and the maimings of soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines in Iraq. And yeah. so they, they don't care about American strength. They care about their power. Well said. I will say on the idea of America being seeming to be weakened in the world, is mm -hmm. being weakened in the world, a lot of that seems to have come about because there is not an appreciation on the part of literally millions of Americans of why America is unique and extraordinary and great, why yeah. we became the world superpower, why we became the you know, land of opportunity, the place everyone, mm -hmm. there was no understanding of it because, and probably because of education, kids are taught that, you know, socialism is just another swell idea, yeah. just like freedom. So they're taught all these sorts of things. We've lost that um, that respect and reverence for the uniqueness of America, not like my team versus your team yeah. reverence, but the, the uniqueness of the ideas that are timeless, that created America, and we don't have enough people understand them, to, so they don't great, reverence them. Great point. You know, maybe some of you all saw recently when I was up at the University of Buffalo. And in 1961, I was born in a blacks-only hospital. And of course, like I said, you know, my dad was a corporal in World War II who served in an army that didn't see him as equal to, to others here. But the whole point of me going to the University of Buffalo for Young America's Foundation was talk about American exceptionalism and talk about how America is not a racist nation because look at me, a kid born in a blacks only hospital six decades ago, rising to the, the rank of Lieutenant Colonel, member of the United States House of Representatives, the chairman of the largest Republican, state Republican party in the country. So how can you say that this country is a racist country? No, the only thing that keeps you from advancing is, you know, building those, those boundaries in your mind. Well, guess what? I had to be escorted off of that campus. I know. Because of hundreds of black students. They were out there yelling and screaming, you know, some things that cannot be repeated. They're defending their victimhood. They're, defending They're saying, victim. I love my victim status. Don't that's, tell me I'm not a victim. That's what cultural Marxism has done. It's just beat them to their head that you're oppressed, you're a victim, you can never rise above it because it is about economic enslavement of the will and the mind of the person. And if we have an, a generation that grows up like that uh, in America, white, black, Hispanic, whatever, uh, the days of this country are, are numbered. And that's where I see you know, your program and these voices. We've got to talk about being a victor, not a victim. Uh, because I find it interesting in my lifetime, once upon a time, blacks had to be escorted onto a college and university campus yeah. to get an education. Now, an educated black man has to be escorted off of a college. So symbolic. Camp. Yeah. Oh, gracious. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I am doing one more quick thing in the military yeah. to say the only resolution I can figure in the military is we need to have a new president who supports the military, supports 
what it's supposed to be, and really a massive clean out of the upper ranks. Clean house. You got to clean house. All branches. Absolutely. Uh, Without a doubt. There is someone that is poised right now to be the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He's an African-American four-star general in the Air Force. And he has come out and said that, you know, the military is racist and America is racist. Can you imagine if this individual becomes the chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff and that's the mentality that he holds. That's the philosophy that he holds. We, we cannot continue to go down that path. You know, there's an odd psychological thing about what the left pushes about America. You're supposed to kind of feel guilty for thinking America is great and unique and extraordinary. You, it's, mm-hmm. you're, it's taunted as racist or you only say that because of its history with the white founding of, of Western Europeans. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a taunting of this. I, I, as you know, I'm, I am smitten with the idea of yeah. America. I am, yeah. I am so... I can't well, get, well this, yeah. is, this is what's so amazing. I mean, you know, there's a lot of pride with the sports teams here in Dallas. Okay, yeah. so the Dallas Cowboys are owned by a white guy, rich white guy. But yet I see blacks, whites, Hispanics, you know, Asians. Everyone around here is wearing Dallas Cowboy jerseys. Yeah. And they want Dallas to win. And if Dallas doesn't win, they're, they're upset. The Cowboys don't Not win. Not all day Monday. The, yeah. the Mavericks. I mean, Mavericks are owned by a really rich white guy. And if, and yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, if the, and everyone was cheering in that audience, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever, down there at the arena for the Mavericks to beat the Golden State Warriors. Yep. So why is it that we come together and we want our sports teams to be champions, but yet we don't want our country to be because a it's been, As you know, because it's been denigrated by the left. The left has painted America in just this horrible light where young people feel righteous. They feel um, morally superior because they've come to recognize that America really wasn't as great as we always said it was. Mm-hmm. That it's, they have a whole litany of things they can list about America that makes it bad. It, it could just make you crazy. In the meantime, my dad taught me? Sorry. My dad told me at 15 when he challenged me to be the first officer in our family. And here's a man born in the South in 1920. He said there's no greater honor than to wear the uniform of the United States of America. Wow. So let me tell you where it really starts at with our kids. Yeah. Parents and grandparents need to step up and be adults. Stop allowing kids to come to your house professing this foolishness. Because if I had ever come into my house and said my professor is smarter than my mommy and daddy, I wouldn't be interviewed by you right now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah. And so where, you know, it says in in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way that they should go. So when they grow old, they shall not depart from it. We have got to maintain contact with our kids and tell them about these false lies that are being, these these falsities and and bad narratives and talking points are being put in their ears. One of the worst campuses for conservatives in the United States of America is the University of Texas in Austin. Yeah, yeah. And you know, actually, you know, people think, well, this is the South, it's the Bible Belt, it's just conservative. Oh, yeah, the, the Texas schools. Drag, drag your kids to Pride show right oh, here yeah. in Dallas? Yeah, I, I did see that. Okay, we're going to have, I do let this happy audience ask questions that they would mm-hmm. like, and I want to be sure I give them time, but I wanted some other points. Uh, one, I want to hit about the um, January 6th episode in Washington. <laughs> okay. And um, it, it was not Great an insurrection. Theater. It was theater, but I will tell you something I mentioned before we started today. So Dr. Simone Gold, Mm. who founded the America's Frontline Doctors, Mm -hmm. she's been one of the brave doctors around the country speaking up since the beginning of COVID saying, you know, there are a lot of really great treatments you could be using. You don't have to wait. This is before the vaccines arrived that are really effective. And so she was 
trying to get that word out there. Don't let panic set in. You can find things that are effective. Mm -hmm. And she was maligned, ridiculed. She lost her job. She mm -hmm. got fired from a, um, a, I think it was a university, some hospital. Anyway, she kept speaking up. She, she founded America's Frontline Doctors. She went to Washington on January 6th. She was supposed to speak at the Trump rally part, but it broke up early. So she walked across with thousands of Americans to the Capitol. She did go inside, fully acknowledged, went inside. She had her speech ready, so she just went into the rotunda and read her speech, which no one's listening to. All these people are mm -hmm. circling around. She reads her speech, she leaves. And she would, they had FBI break her door down in Beverly Hills. She lives in California. Mm -hmm. Break her door down, arrest her. I mean, she had no idea what it was for. And she decided, probably on the ill advice of an attorney, to plead guilty. Um, to the, whatever the charge was. Now, there's one charge they have found that can make against almost everyone. Um, it's, it is a felony. It's interference with a federally authorized procedure process or something like that. Anyway, so today's her sentencing. So she messaged me this morning, says her sentencing, and I don't know what happened, but I, have, I am astonished by America's compliance with what seems to me, I just want your reaction to all this, yeah. compliance with the FBI and DOJ treating January 6th as well as an insurrection in contrast with the way where people were treated throughout the riots of January oh, absolutely. 2020. It's completely different. As a matter of fact, I think you just saw where the DOJ has dropped all charges against a person up in New York City that uh, torched a, a police vehicle. Yes. So there, there are two tiers of justice right now going on. And this, again, comes back to what socialism and Marxism especially is all about. This is about show trials. This is about letting your political opposition know we will do whatever is necessary to crush you. This is Machiavellian in every way, shape, form, and fashion. The ends uh, justify their means, and we know what their means are. It is about threats, intimidation, coercion, and ultimately violence. And so we can go out there and find Simone Gold, who stood there and just read a speech, but yet you cannot find a single member of Antifa, and they attacked government buildings. They have burned police stations and offices. You can't find a single person that led a, an insurrection in Seattle, Washington. That, that, that was an insurrection. That was an insurrection and, and created their own autonomous zone. Uh, and if that was an insurrection on January 6th, as a military guy, that was the worst insurrection I've ever seen well, in my life. Well, since they were all unarmed, yeah. for one thing. And the only person <laughs> that was killed, no one's talking about that. I know. And so this, without a doubt, is, is a show trial. And, and the, the real essence of this show trial is to say to people out there, Try to stand up against us. We will crush you. I love your saying that. And this January 6th now is on to this freak show on television. But it's just the January 6th had been, the commission's been private up until now, calling people mm -hmm. and now they're public. And I've been saying that term, show trial, and many have. But I mean, it's the idea. It's a message to all of America. Yeah. We've won. We, the leftists, have won. You will not challenge us because you will be crushed. And the amazing thing is that this is what Republicans have to understand. They want the majority. But where's their plan? What will they do? What is the unifying message that is out there? I have not seen it from McConnell. I have not seen it from McCarthy. And where are they standing up and saying the things that you and I are talking about right now? People follow courage. And that's what yes. needs to be shown right now. Or, because the other side is saying, we are ruthless. We are totalitarians. We are tyrants. And look at what they did to Peter Navarro. I know. But, I love that guy. But, but on the other side, when we get in a majority... No, let's not do that. Let's not go. To, no, that's not what we want to do. Well, Americans are really concerned about these progressive socialists and these Marxists because they have tipped their hand. They have shown you exactly who they are. Look at what is happening with churches right now. 
churches are being vandalized, uh, life centers, pregnancy centers are being torched, and they're saying that they're going to continue to do so. Look at what happened with the Supreme Court justice that had an assassination attempt against him. Not a peep from the leftist media. When, when the Republican baseball team was shot up by a Bernie Sanders supporter, not a peep from the left. And so now is the time that we've got to stand up and understand that the purveyors of, of you know, racism, the purveyors of violence, the purveyors of segregation, it always has been one political party, and we have got to confront this ideology. I love that point. I want to segue that one, I, there are other topics I want to hit, including the Second Amendment and the red flag laws. No red flag that. laws. Violation of your Second Amendment and Fourth Amendment rights. And let me just let the audience know and everybody out there, in Uvalde, Texas, that shooter lived in the home with his grandfather. His grandfather had a criminal Criminal. record. His grandfather was not supposed to be able to purchase weapons or have any weapons around him. That's the address that he put on his 4473 background check. Immediately right then, there should have been an alert said, sorry, can I sell you a weapon? Because you have a felon living in your home. So the problem is with the system and the background check system, just the same as the Sutherland Springs, that person was in the Air Force. They had a domestic violence charge, felony offense, uh, a not, other than honorable discharge from the military. Those are questions on the 4473 form. The Air Force did not put him into the system. So he was able to go out and get an AR-15 and shoot up that church. That's where the problem is. It's not about saying to any of us as legal law-abiding gun owners that we're the issue. The issue is right there before us. And now we're coming to find out that there are many people that knew about the shooter in Buffalo who advertised what he was going to do out there in a social media chat room. So why is it that you can go out there on these social media chat rooms or any social media and talk about violence and things of this nature? But yet, if you want to talk about the vaccine or you want to talk about COVID, you get kicked off. Yeah. Yeah. Present company included. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, I want to, um, we could talk for hours. I do think there are many people, your point about wanting, it's a time for courage being needed, a time Mm -hmm. for bravery. I think there are millions of Americans feeling that way. They're watching what's happening to their country. Many of the issues we're talking Mm -hmm. about, the border being abandoned, just just the utter chaos in our society. And they're looking for leadership. And what we're seeing now out of Washington, uh, of the Republicans in both House Mm -hmm. and Senate, you see very, you see almost no leadership. And it's exactly the problem back, you go back to the Tea Party era, mm-hmm. when Obama was in place and people were waiting for someone in Washington to speak up and say, this guy is a socialist. Why is he putting socialized medicine in place first chance he gets? Why aren't you stopping him? The Tea Party message was, a lot of it was, conservatives in Washington, the people you say you're on our side, please stand up, please yeah. fight. People are hungry for leaders who will say, not just we denounce Joe Biden's policy, we denounce Nancy Pelosi's statement. They want to say, here's what we should do. Here's what is needed. We need America back. They're looking for leaders. So if you could, you know, I, I... we can go back and forth, but what if you were, you had the capacity to set that agenda for the conservatives? What is it we should say we stand for instead of just Absolutely. denouncing what they're what we don't like, they don't do? Absolutely. That's what we have to do. And uh, it, it would be the same as a commander in combat. They came to me and said, hey, you know, Colonel, what's going to be our plan, you know, for the battle coming up? I said, we don't need a plan. Let's just, you know, these guys are so bad, you know, what they're going to, it's going to fail. People will look at me and it's like, uh-uh, you know, we're not going yeah. out, out there. But that's where we find ourselves. I'll close with this. This is a Braveheart moment. If you think about how the Scottish nobles 
were just as bad and they were, you know, in bed with, you know, uh, Longshanks, the, the king of England. It took a commoner to stand up and rally the everyday people of Scotland. And I, I think that that's what America is going to need, just a common person that has no self-interest, that has no special interest. And Donald Trump kind of, you know, led that way, but he was naive. And a, and a lot of the things up there, not understanding how deep this thing was, the deep right. state, and he surrounded himself with some D.C. ticks that uh, he should have, you know, separated himself from. And that's why we saw the fact that, you know, after four years, you know, he is not in power. Those Republican state legislatures, legislatures should have never allowed unsolicited mail-in ballots. Those Republican state legislatures should have never allowed governors, secretaries of state, and judges to change election law. And I hate to tell you, that happened in Texas, too. It did. Changing early voting from two weeks to three weeks. So we just need to look at ourselves and find that moment of courage. Uh, I agree. I, I mean, I, would, I am going to make a laundry list to talk about if you're really a leader you should stand for. Uh, and it's got to be, you know, cleaning out the upper ranks of the military, mm -hmm. every single, mm -hmm. all of the branches, cleaning out the DOJ, the entire massive yes. leadership, yeah. State Department, DOJ, Two FBI, to three CIA. three levels down. At Maybe least, four yeah. levels down. CIA, yep. all of them, because we have this ideological invasion mm -hmm. that has so penetrated all of the avenues of power in Washington, yep. and I still think for most people, they, or maybe more people of my vintage, I don't know, but they think, well, everyone knows in America that we're, we're free, we believe in freedom, we don't like communism, and they cannot put their arms around the idea that that ideology is prevalent at the highest levels of power in Washington, but yep. it is. It, it is, and we also need to make sure we are not putting Democrats in charge of committees here in the state of Texas. Oh, you know? yeah. That's... And, and so it's, it's even down to the state level where we have to do this, you know, root canal out there. Okay. I want to ask you really quickly. So we are going just a few minutes. Someone out there has the microphone, I do believe. Okay. Over there. And um, if you want to ask a question, you can raise your hand. He'll pass it around. Um, I do want to ask you two quick things. Right now, you are working with the American Constitutional Rights yes. Union, ACRU, yep. and, um, which is a great group. Yep. And you, are you, you're a spokesman for them. Is that right? Spokesman, executive director. I do a lot of op-ed writing and uh, videos and things. And talking about these constitutional issues, because I just think that we have gotten so far away from the Constitution. We don't teach in our schools, and a lot of us old heads, we don't even understand the Constitution. Yep. The Constitution, I, yeah, I make these references, but you know, it is like, it's like a massive span of bridge over a bay. Yeah. It is the, 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 you know, the foundational, let's hold the bridges up. You don't have the Constitution, it, the bridge collapses. It in does. The, yeah, it that's does. exactly and what it is. The Constitution says in Article 1, Section 8, there are 18 things. Only 18 things that the federal government has a jurisdiction, role, responsibilities, and duties to perform. And that's why the Tenth Amendment, folks, is so important because the Tenth Amendment says all of those powers not delegated to the federal government are reserved to the states and to the people. And we've gotten so far away from that, and we've got to reestablish that. We do need to. The courts back the Congress, though, to be fair to the people. When people do try to challenge, is this really constitutional? Can Congress do this? The courts have expanded the Commerce Clause to mean almost anything, yes. you know? Uh, almost anything. So yeah, it is a battle in the courts too. Uh, and the last thing I want to hit before I turn these people was um, you mentioned, or I, I wanted to bring up with you, there was Uncle Tom documentary that mm -hmm. was a few years ago. And we went to the premiere on Juneteenth. Yep. Yeah. Wasn't there going to be a fall? An Uncle Tom yes, documentary? Yes, there is. Okay. What is it? Well, I mean, I, I can't say. I mean, oh, okay. It's, it's like Can you a, whisper? 
No, I'm just <laughs> if, I, if I tell you I have to kill you, that famous line from the military. No, okay. it, was, it was supposed to have come out on Juneteenth of, of this, uh, this June. Uh, they're going to try to get it out as soon as possible because it's a very powerful documentary and they want to make sure that they get everything absolutely right. So be on the lookout for Uncle Tom okay. too. This Uncle Tom documentary had a series of black conservative American leaders who were so, I mean, really emotional and, and just, it wasn't a story, it wasn't a fiction story, it was telling their story, their experience, their views. I found it very, very powerful, very emotional. So this new one, I did, someone who worked on it told me there was another one coming and I, um, yeah. anyway, so I'm glad there is, that's good to hear. Yep. Okay, so we're never gonna get around all the other issues because I got these people ask, no, I said they can ask questions. So we have some hands up, I think. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, speak right in the microphone because it peed up. Okay, I, can you guys hear me? Um, well, Mind the microphone if you can't hear me. Uh, you mentioned two things um, that I I, th I th was wondering if you might concur, go to the heart of it. You mentioned Mitt Romney, mm -hmm. and then you mentioned the Scottish nobles up against who kind of made their alliance mm -hmm. with yeah. Edward Edward II. Doesn't it kind of seem like what's paralyzing the country is that capital has been corrupted? That the capital owning class. Mm -hmm. It's like a, a sort of bargain has been made. You guys can have all of this money that sort of never seems to cease flowing as long as you sort of play along with the systematic destruction of the, of the, of the country. Yeah. How do we get capital to come back to defending the republic? Because, yeah. well, that seems to be what's missing in all of this. Yeah, yeah. That's a well, great question. Without a doubt, there is a new Politburo being developed in the United States of America. I mean, that's what the Soviet Union used to have that cut line. But I think more people are starting to realize that, you know, they're going to let me go at some point in time and I'm going to fall down to the abyss. That's why they're going after small businesses because they want to see small businesses, which is the real backbone, 80% of the economy of small businesses, and we've got to protect them. Look at all the big you know, box stores and everything that stayed open during COVID, but yet mom and pop stores got crushed. And when you look now at the fuel prices and everything, it's the mom and pop stores that are once again getting crushed. So I think at some point in time, we've got to understand that the real collusion in the United States of America is a political elite class with a corporate fascist oligarchy. And especially when you see that with uh, a lot of these social media, these tech uh, giants. There's when a you, question back there. And back, people, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Very when quickly. you tell people that, how do they respond? Well, I don't care how they respond. Because if I'm telling you the <laughs> truth, I really don't care how you respond. You know, and, and I think that's the whole thing about, you know, the type of individuals we have to have in this country that don't sit around and do that and be, you know, the weather bank, they just got to tell people this is what's right, this is what's true. You know, it talks about in Isaiah that there will come a time when people say good is evil and evil is good. That's where we are. And so it this is. country is looking for people that say this is good and it is, is good. Two plus two equals four. And anyone out there saying two plus two equals six, you should be running away from. Okay, I saw some in the back. Okay, my friend, let's keep it simple. I like the kiss rule. First of all, I'm glad about your answer, John. Who cares about those that don't? But the question I have is, and you finally said evil. So thanks for that, because we got two parties, evil and feckless. So you're talking about courageous leadership, and even though Mr. Trump had some courage and still must for all the grief he's gone through and continues to go through, 
It's hard to say that he doesn't carry a bunch of garbage, unfortunately. Things happen when people hate you. They hate you for no particular reason. They just hate you. Mm -hmm. A lot of things about racism and everything else, I don't agree with. It just doesn't matter what color you are. What it matters is what your heart's telling you. Either you got a servant's heart or you don't. You go in the military with a servant's heart. If you don't, you're probably going to get knocked off soon. So you got a short list of courageous leadership anywhere? Wow. I mean, you know, anytime you start naming names, that's when you get into a little trouble. But I didn't ask for names. I just said, do you have a short list? Of course I have a short list. And, well, good. And, mm -hmm. and because it is about the people that are out there that are standing up and they're taking the arrows and the darts. And, and again, like I said, they, they don't care because truth has to permeate through the society. And Debbie's right. All the people that don't have the direction but do have the passion, the feeling, the patriotism, mm -hmm. we need to build this structure from down here to up here. It's got to start from the grassroots level. And that's why I tell people that, you know, the most important elected position in the United States of America, you heard me say, is for school board. And we finally realized why school board was so important. And so it's a great thing when we see more people running for school board, more people running for city councils. And that's where you build that foundation, that team that can go up. It's like baseball, single A, double A, triple A, major leagues. And we've got to start here at this level and then matriculate people on. We don't have the time for that. Okay, we got to let the next hey, question Ellen. go here with the microphone. Hello. Um, hey. Good to see you. Uh, what would you recommend we do to secure our schools uh, so we don't take away guns from law-abiding citizens, but what would you advise our people who are going to uh, convention? What can they do so we can protect our kids and keep our guns? Well, number one, we need to advocate for the school marshal program here in Texas. And when you think about, you know, Texas is a, one of the largest states for veterans. I mean, that's where you should have veterans. There should be no homeless and jobless veterans. I mean, veterans would be honored to go in and protect these schools. But the real thing that I want you to you know, think about was when it talks about the Second Amendment, that it, it, you know, a well-regulated militia, regulated means trained, and we are the, the well-regulated militia you know, for the, for the necessity of the security of the state. That's why the Second Amendment is there. Because you can't carry a police officer on your hip. And that's why it says, the right of the people to keep a bare arm shall not be infringed. Just imagine and look at, if you all were parents, they were there in Uvalde, and the police told you you can't do anything. And they're standing there, you're begging the police to go do something. Think about that mother who was handcuffed, but then when she was uncuffed, she ran into there and got her two kids out. Now, what if, those parents there, legal, law-abiding, responsible gun owners, showed up, they had been trained, they understood, and they formed their own little uh, you know, group that's gonna go in there and they're gonna go and they're gonna clear rooms and they're gonna find that shooter and they're gonna neutralize the shooter. Now, some people say that's not possible. That is possible. Because guess who neutralized the shooter in Sutherland Springs? A guy that was an NRA trained firearms instructor with an AR-15, Stephen Williford, dear friend of mine, who ran out of his home barefoot yep. and neutralized the shooter. So that's why we cannot allow ourselves to be disarmed because you are your first line of defense. And when you no longer are the first line of defense, you're a victim. And so those children and those parents were victims because people were paralyzed into inaction. 
Hi, my name is at Kate Morgan, and I'm a veteran you as well. You need to speak up. In oh, okay. It's, but um, my name is Kate Morgan. I'm also a veteran as well, and yep. I wanted to say thank you so much Which for your Brian service. Still? I was in the Navy. <laughs> but I was attached with the Marines, so I get to you know get to go around and see a lot of different yeah. um, amazing individuals working, and so to come out and be as successful as you are, because we do have the 22 a day issues, you know, yeah, with suicide. I saw that, and so I work with a lot of people trying to bring them together mm -hmm. to know that they actually have skills because they have actually believed that they can't be in society, they isolate themselves. Mm -hmm. So I tried to bring them around. Is there a program or something that they can come to like you were talking about because they want to be involved, they want to help with their sure. schools, they want to do these things, but they are more terrified to step up, like the courage thing, you said that, yeah. and Mr. John Leake has his book, The Courage to Fight COVID-19. That is the theme that I am hearing, but it's underground, it's rumbling. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how do we bring that courage up? There's a great organization uh, based out here in Texas called Mighty Oaks Foundation, and it was it's led by a former reconnaissance marine by the name of Chad Robichaux. Uh, he lives down in the uh, Woodlands area. Great guy to have on your show. And so Mighty Oaks Foundation is doing an incredible job of, you know, our veterans that are on that, that cusp. It's a faith-based organization because a lot of times that's what we got to restore in our veterans. Uh, they should not be out there killing themselves. I mean, they've been on a battlefield. They faced the enemy. They should not lose to this invisible enemy that tells them that they uh, are a victim, they have to take their lives. And so uh, I would say hook up with, with Chad, but without a doubt, you know, if I'm in the position of, you know, head of the Department of Public Safety in Texas or the governor, I'm looking for veterans. I'm sending out an all call for veterans, you know, come and protect our schools, come and once again, stand on the frontier. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Colonel West, thank you for being here. It's yeah. an honor to have you here. She made me come. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Claudine Nicholas. Yes. My father was a Green Beret and Ranger, 101st Airborne. There you go. We are huge fans of you. Well, you're very kind. Uh, my question is this. A lot of people still think they can use social media for, for change. I don't believe that is the case anymore. I was kicked off Facebook three times. Mm -hmm. um, I began to get involved in a group called the True Texas Project. Yeah, yeah. What would you recommend citizens do today to help move things in the right direction? Because we do mm -hmm. want to make change. We do want to uh, come together. How do you see yeah. that happening? I, I will tell you that we've got to be better informed, better educated, and then be better activated. Too many people are going out on this battlefield and they don't have the first two pieces. They want to be activated, but they're not ready to run out and, and, and go head to head with the, the ideological uh, adversaries, opposition that we have. So I think it's so important that we get into small groups and we host things in our home to talk about a lot of these critical issues. And when you have someone like, you know, Debbie or many others out there that can give you some guidelines, some talking points, some things to discuss so that we are better armed. You know, I always tell people, you know, I'm not a real smart guy, but the Army taught me if you, you write it down. And so I never go out of the house without my three by five cards because I'm always ready because you're supposed to be ready to, to, to go in and have that combat with someone, intellectual combat. I'm, I'm not talking about shooting that. Okay, but and so that's what we do. Every single one of you should have your three by five cards. And how do you do it? You're at home and you, you understand how do I develop these things. And when you talk about social media, there are many other platforms that are coming out there, but also you have an email list. And what I will tell you that what we all have to do, we gotta get outside our comfort zones. We've gotta go out there and I'm challenged you find five people that don't think and believe as you do and get three of them. 
Three out of five is sixty percent. Sixty percent of the political race is a landslide. Look at what just happened down there in the Rio Grande Valley. And when I was the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, the first trip I made was to the Rio Grande Valley. They had never seen a chairman of the Republican Party of Texas in the Rio Grande Valley. I appreciate we, your advice very well, much. Yeah, all we got to do is just show up. And we have to have, again, the courage to go take our message to those people that, that otherwise wouldn't hear it. You know who else needs to hear that message here in Dallas? The people on the south side of the Trinity River. Give them that message of being a victor, not a victim. Thank you, sir. I need to jump in and just mention for our radio listeners, you're about to go off. You're listening to America Can We Talk. You can always watch this show live at americacanwetalk.org. I want to thank Broadian Radio for running this show. I know you are listening right now, but you can. If you go to americacanwetalk.org, you can watch the show online. You can find links to past shows, past interviews. Come back every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. Thanks for listening on radio. Everybody else, we have three minutes left. I, yeah. wa I wanted to at least greet them before that. Yeah. Also, I wanted to comment about your leadership of the uh, Texas State Republican Party. It's a kind of commentary in the things you've been talking about, which is a lot of people get involved in politics, and they think they get early involved with one candidate or one elected official, and they think their job is to make that person always right or to make that person and to follow them and you have to if you're working on a campaign you have to work for that person but there's a larger sense of involvement in politics mm -hmm. that means you stand for what's right and mm -hmm. you you read things yourself you become informed you don't mm -hmm. fly off you know unknowingly but you read the facts you get informed and then you fight and the one thing i loved about your leadership of the texas republican party is you were willing to say about people who are hold positions of authority in the legislature and in the party to say, but you're not standing up, but you're not fighting, but you're yeah. not doing this. And I think, you know, for when we recognize the seriousness of where America is today, mm -hmm. the seriousness of the threat truly to the future of freedom in America, to the future of our constitutional republic, that kind of bravery of its informed, passionate, outspoken conservatism, loyal to ideas higher than people. We have about a minute left, let you respond to that. There are three things that you possess that no one can take away from you, but you can surrender. That's your honor, that's your integrity, and that's your character. And every single day that you wake up, you wake up with your honor, your integrity, and character. At the end of the day, you have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I still the person that I was at the beginning of that day? Do I still have that honor, integrity, and character? And that's why I said you can't be concerned about what other people are saying because other people will force you to surrender those three intrinsic values that you carry forward every single day. So what I will tell you is that always remember what you must do to maintain your honor, your integrity, and your character. Stand and hold fast to it because people are looking for resolute leadership. People want to find that person that in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the battle, they're unwavering and they continue to stand on what is right and what is true. That's how it says in the Bible, you're the light. Start drawing people to your light. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, thank you so much for My joining pleasure. me today. Just great to have you. Great to have you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For the rest of our audience, thank you also for listening to America Can We Talk. The show is live every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. You can watch it online, and I encourage you to do that at americacanwetalk.org. I encourage you to speak up and stand up for America. That's why I do the show, because America matters. And I will talk to you next time.
truth about America. Can you hear?